going to be that first table there next to the vending machine. You'll see it there. Please give freely. Um, we do ask, though, that you would at least consider $5. Um, but if you can give more, want to give more, that would be great so we can send these girls to camp this year, right? Hallelujah. Also, ladies' retreat is coming up, so don't forget about the gift cards for our NAM pastors, our NAM families. Um, May 14th is a Saturday. We are going to have men's prayer and breakfast here at 8 a.m. The women will be coming back later that day from ladies' retreat, so men be praying for our safe return, <laughs> right? Amen. Hallelujah. Then June uh, 18th is the Section 4 Men's Stakeout. That's going to be at Abundant Life Tabernacle in Wisconsin Rapids. Uh, that is June 18th, the time uh, we will need to get more information on that. We will have that to you soon. Hallelujah. How about we come today and we have a little talk with Jesus. <clears throat> I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and then a Bye. 
Thank you, Jesus. I am so thankful, Lord, that we can come directly to you. Lord, whatever we have need of, Lord, you make it right. Hallelujah, Jesus. You provide. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Oh, I am so thankful, Lord, that I know you are one, that the fullness of the Godhead is in you. Hallelujah. We serve that mighty God, that one true living God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity you've given us today to enter into the presence of Almighty God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your so great goodness to us. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to let you know how thankful we are for all that you've done. How grateful we are to the Lord our God for your many benefits. How overwhelmed we are with the glory and majesty of our God. Because of who you are, Lord, you're worthy of worship. You're worthy of praise inherently. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're worthy because of your mighty acts, because of the great works of God that you have done. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Your train fills the temple. You are altogether and forever worthy of our worship and of our praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We delight ourselves in you today, the God of our salvation, the God who has wrought victory for us. Thank you, Jesus, for your great goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are a mighty God. You are an awesome King. You are a wondrous Savior. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for this opportunity today to enter into the presence of Almighty God and to let you know how grateful I am, how thankful I am for all that you've done in my life. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't take a lot. It doesn't uh, take a whole lot of effort or I don't have to go very far to start looking around in my life and becoming immediately grateful and thankful for what God has done. His blessings are so powerful, so overwhelming. I am so thankful for God. I am so thankful for a Savior like Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 11. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verses verses 5 through 11 says this, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord search the heart. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. 
even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. As the partridge sitteth on eggs and hatcheth them not, so he that getteth riches and not by right shall leave them in the midst of his days, and at his end shall be a fool. Amen. He's speaking for a few minutes today on this topic. Trust fall. Trust fall. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. Help us, Lord, to receive all that you have for us. Bless your word. Bless the remainder of our service. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated today. How many people have ever done that? Done a trust fall? How many people are very comfortable with that? Totally okay with doing it with whoever, whenever. No? No one? Me either. Why is that? Why aren't we comfortable with it? Because <laughs> there's always the possibility that they might not be there. There's always the possibility that they may not have the tools in the, in the pipes necessary to catch me. They might let me fall. I don't know if they're going to. The chances are pretty good. If I got Brother DeMuth up here or Brother Shepherd up here, they'd probably catch me just fine. Probably. Most likely. Almost certainly. But I can't, I can't go 100% on that. I can't. <clears throat> Why? Yeah. At the end of the day, when it comes right down to it, I just lack trust, don't I? I just can't put my full trust in that. If I fall back, I may be able to fall back, but I'm nervous all the way down. Every time I jumped out of an airplane, I was putting my trust and confidence in some E2, E3 who packed my suit. They got quality control and they got a process and all that, but if there's any mistakes, that's huge. That's huge a thousand feet up in the air. So why was I so nervous jumping out of a perfectly good airplane? Because it's not 100%. I, there are accidents. They do happen. They're very rare, thank God. But they do happen. In our scripture text today, we are continually exhorted. Not in just this scripture, but all through scripture. We are continually exhorted and encouraged and told, don't trust in man. Don't do it. Don't trust in the strength of your own flesh. Don't trust in riches. Don't trust in other people. Trust in God. If your hope is in man, if you're going to trust in the strength of man, 
you are going to end up devastated. If you trust in God, you're going to end up blessed. I preached on this Wednesday. I don't feel a release from the topic yet. And so we're going to continue on it. Trusting God. Either I failed to deliver it or we failed to get it. Either way, here we are. If the command is so prevalent in Scripture and God is so insistent that we do, why do we continually fail to do so? Why do we continually fail to trust God? He'll almost certainly come through. I'm quite convinced that He's probably going to take care of this. Almost certainly. Quite probably. Is it possible that we could state with certainty that God will? Is that scriptural? Then why can't we? Well, there's a lot of reasons for it. It's it's not so cut and dry. It is three easy steps to trusting in God. And you're forever cured. People are a little bit more complex than that. It could be a number of things. It's certainly a relationship issue. I'm not going to trust someone I don't know. I pull someone off the street and ask him to catch me. I'm going to trust him less than asking one of you guys to do it. I don't know them. They don't know me. They could, couldn't care less if I fall and bust my head open. Why when the rubber meets the road? Why when the situation presents itself that we can try God? That we can, that we can see if His promises are true or no? That we want to take it into our own hands. We want to take care of it ourselves. I know why it is for me. That's how I've always been. That's part of my old nature. I continually frustrate my wife. I'm not going to call and ask for help. I'm not going to find a cashier and where is this located? I'm going to I'm going to walk every single aisle until I find the stupid thing. It's dumb. I admit that. It's a waste of time. It makes no sense. I admit all of it. But next time I'm going to do it again. I know what I can do. And sometimes it's just easier to take care of it myself. Isn't that right? Why can't I release that to God? Why can't I just let God take care of it? He wants to. He wants to show Himself strong in our behalf. He wants to provide our needs. Why can't I trust Him to do that? Why can't I just believe God? In our Scripture text, God details the results of those who trust in the weakness of the flesh and the results of those who will trust in God. He lays it all out for us. You can go that route, but here's what's going to happen. (laughs) And you know what? It does. 
Because I don't believe God, I had to try it for myself. Sure enough. And when I trust in God, sure enough, He comes through. God talks about our hearts. I thought that was an interesting insertion in the midst of teaching us about trusting God. He talks about our deceitful hearts, that they're desperately wicked, that they lie to us. We can't know what they're, what they're, what's in there. Why would he insert that? Here's what I see. Here's what hit me when I first saw this. My heart is telling me I do trust God. My heart is telling me I do trust the Bible. I believe the Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. Till I don't. Till it matters. Till I'm asked to demonstrate that faith. I do have faith in God. I am relying on Him. Till I have to. Till I can't take care of it myself. Here's what I'm saying, church. Here's another topic I seem to be stuck on now. God wants us to move forward. God doesn't want us to stay here. He doesn't want us to stay where we're at. Thank God He brought us to this place. Thank God we aren't where we were a year ago, five, ten years ago. Thank God He brought us to this place today. But we can't stay here. We've got to keep moving forward. Thank God for the victories of the past. Thank God for the deliverances of yesterday. But that was yesterday. He's got more in store for us today. He's got more in store for us tomorrow. We've got to get to those deliverances. We've got to see those victories. And we can't do it where we're at here today. We're not going to see those victories if we stay here. <clears throat> God wants to demonstrate Himself in this city, this county, our lives, our families' lives. He wants to demonstrate Himself. He wants to manifest His power and His authority. But He's not presently. Not like I believe He wants to. That's on me. That's on you. That's not God. The rest of the church is not our standard. The church down the street is not our standard. The church across the state is not our standard. Scripture is our standard. God, Jesus, is our standard. How He lived, how He performed ministry, the things that He said and did and taught, that's what we need to do. And more so. God has so much more for us if we are willing to step out. If we are willing to move forward. Is that going to cost us? Probably. Probably will. It's going to cost us some time. It's going to cost us maybe some money. Maybe some talent. 
It's going to cost us something. It should cost us something. We shouldn't have the attitude that we're going to give a sacrifice to God that costs nothing. It should cost something. It cost God everything. Is our time so precious? Is our money so precious? Is our vanity so precious that we can't give when God asks? I'm not... You know, the uh, I think most of us believe that we don't have a lot of time left. We just don't. There is not a lot of time or opportunity left for us to do what God wants us to do. And we say that, and I think we mean it then we go and we use our time the way we want to. We use our money the way we want to. And I'm not saying that's wrong necessarily. But it becomes wrong when God asks for some of that time or asks for some of that money or asks for one of your talents. We're hesitant to do that. We don't want to do that. That's when it becomes a problem. When I was a child learning how to ride a bike, it took me a little while to get on that bike. Had training wheels. I'd seen other people ride a bike. I knew it worked. I didn't think it worked for me. My dad finally convinced me to get on the bike. I had training wheels. It was a small bike. I wasn't very far from the ground. (coughs) But it scared me to death. I got on there and it was all wobbly. I got off. I didn't trust the bike. I didn't trust my dad. I knew I was going to fall and get hurt. After some prodding, I got back on the bike. I eventually started riding the bike. Dad was right there. I was scared to death. Any minute, this is going to fall apart, and I'm going to be on the ground bloody and bruised. I'd been bloodied and bruised many times before that. I was a boy. And I didn't like it. <laughs> wasn't looking forward to the next experience. Eventually, I got to the place where it was kind of enjoyable. And eventually, I got to the place where I looked around and Dad wasn't there anymore. I was doing this all on my own. And eventually, it just became second nature. I took the training wheels off. And I was flying around. Going on jumps, doing weird tween tricks, 
I didn't start there. And I couldn't have got there unless I went through the other stuff first. That's how it works. That's how everything works. If I wanted to become a brain surgeon, they don't start me in an in a ER room with a scalpel and a bone saw and say, okay, show me what you got. That'd be kind of dumb. I start at the bottom. Here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. To the point where I'm a full-blown brain surgeon. God wants us to take us from where we're at today to where He wants us to be. But we need to be honest, folks, about where we are today. Brutally honest. Can we do that? It may mean that I need to admit to God, I don't believe you like I thought I did. I don't trust in you like I've been saying I do. It may mean that. Maybe you do. Maybe you're already honest about it. No, I don't trust God. He let me down. He didn't answer this prayer. He didn't do this for me. Okay. Fair enough. I've felt that before. I've been in that place before too. I think most of us have. If we're truly honest. But did God truly let us down? Of course He didn't. Did God fail us at any point? No, He did not. Understand, folks. God called us. He placed us here for such a time as this. He's given us a task individually and corporately that is impossible for us to accomplish by ourselves. We will not do it by ourselves. We will not do it by brainstorming, by building connections, by raising money. It's not going to happen that way. It's going to happen because God does it. How did the apostles turn the world upside down? Well, they got in good with the local government. They advertised. They, uh, they knew people who could get them into places. Uh, right? What? How did they turn the world upside down? I heard someone say it. God worked with them. God worked with them. They did what they could do. They did everything that they could do. Everything that they were responsible for. And we have things that we're responsible for and we need to do those things. Absolutely. We can't just hole up in a room and pray and fast and let Jesus save everyone. That's not going to work either. This is a partnership. 
We have responsibilities. God has responsibilities. We do what we're supposed to do. God is going to do the rest. He's going to do the rest. Amen. Trusting God through the chaos of life. If we look at the life of David, he went from being a shepherd boy to the palace to being on the run to back in the palace on the throne of Israel. A few other things in there, but by and large, that's the gist of it. David's life, in my opinion, was the very definition of chaos, change. Everything got shifted around. If we look at Psalm 61, he says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. Maybe you've sung this song before. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. Understand, David was a warrior. He knew how to fight. He knew how to strategize. He knew how to organize an army. He'd been doing it for a while now. But not once did he rely on that. He went immediately to God and hid in Him. Compare this to the life of King Saul. King Saul never relied on God. Wanted God to do things when it was convenient. How about Solomon? My point is this. Maybe that chaos is a blessing. Maybe that storm, that test, that trial is a blessing to lead you closer to God. See, a lot of times we look at all of this wrong. Oh, God's blessing me financially. Is He really? Is that a blessing? Or is that a test? The more money I have, the more seems to go wrong. The more responsibility I have to do something with it. The more temptation I have to hoard it. Now, if God blesses me financially, I'm going to thank Him. But I don't necessarily always see that as a blessing. Not always. And you shouldn't either. Look at it for what it is. It's a test. Look at, the, look at the storm. Look at the trial for what it is. That's not always a, a curse. Sometimes there's a blessing just on the other side of that. Do you really want to be Christ-like? Do you really want to move forward in God? That's the direction you need to go then. Through the storm through the test, through the trial. That's the only way to get there. You can't just jump from here to there. It doesn't work like that. 
you've got to go through the test. You've got to go through the storm to get to a place of Christ-likeness. And it's hard. And it's miserable. I'm not saying it's fun. I'm not saying you're going to enjoy life during that. But in the midst of it, you can have joy. And you can have peace. I know. Because I've experienced it firsthand. And a lot of you have experienced it too. Peace in the midst of the storm. Joy in the midst of sorrow. It's an amazing thing. God will oftentimes place us in these situations. He'll give us tasks to accomplish that are too big. They're too much for us. He places us there for a reason. He didn't make a mistake in placing you there. You're not there by accident. If you're walking with God, if you're trusting in Him, then you're there on purpose. And if you're there on purpose, then it's okay. Then you can rest confident in the fact that God has your back. You're there because of His purposes. And He's going to walk through it with you. And you're going to come out on the other side refined, purified, more like Him. We need to look at those things differently. We can trust God when the longing of our heart remains unfulfilled. Genesis 12, 1-4 says this, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Okay, he's seventy-five at this point. Let's jump to Genesis 15, starting with verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. As an aside, i got to say I love that verse. That God is my exceeding great reward. He's all I need. He's all I desire. He's all I could ever hope for. If I have nothing else, and I have Jesus, I have an exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. (laughs) Very flattering introduction there. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So God gave him a very specific promise. He's going to have a son. He's going to have a son. And through him, he's going to have descendants that it multiplies the stars of heaven. In Genesis 17 and 1, it says, When Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the mighty God, Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. Jumping to verse 15. 
God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, her, shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, <clears throat> and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? He was starting to question a little bit. We're past the time of childbearing, God. I appreciate that. I appreciate what you're saying here. But the time has passed. It's too late. It's done. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Coming down to chapter 21 and verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was in hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. God made a promise. And he delayed for decades. But at the time appointed, he came through. When it was too hard, when it was impossible, God finally came through. Almost as if God said, you can still do this on your own. I'm going to keep waiting. You can still do this on your own. I'm going to keep waiting. Now it's impossible for you to do it on your own. Now I can do it. Zechariah and Elizabeth, same thing. They were a couple in their old age. Luke 1 and 7 says, They had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. Jump down to verse 11. There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before them in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What an awesome promise that would be for your son, huh? Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be worth waiting for. Amen. We've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed and now an angel from heaven appears and tells us, your prayers have been heard. This is, the, this is the manner of child that's going to be born to you. 
not only is he going to be a miraculous birth, but this is who your child is going to grow up to be and to do. Wow. So how did Zacharias respond? Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. Same thing. Don't you think it's a little late for that now? Don't you think that time has passed? And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and have sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. I want to make just a couple points and then I'll move on. One, when we wait on a promise from God, it's well worth it. When God answers a prayer according to His will, His plan, His purpose, it's so much better than what you're asking for. So much greater than you could even imagine. The other point I want to make is when God tells you it's coming to pass, just believe it. Just take him at his word. When an angel, when Gabriel, of all angels, Gabriel comes down, sent by God himself to tell you, we heard your prayers, God heard your prayers, and he's giving the answer. Believe God when he promises something. Yeah, it's unlikely. Yeah, it may be impossible in the natural. It probably is impossible in the natural. But it's 100% when it comes to God. Keep waiting. Keep trusting. Keep praying. Keep knocking, seeking, asking. Because when the time is right, I keep thinking of, of Daniel. Prayed three weeks was heard the first day. But in the Spirit, there, there was a lot taking place. A lot, had to, a lot had to be cleared out of the way before the answer could come. We can trust God through bad news. If we look at John chapter 11, the account of Lazarus being raised from the dead. Starting in verse 1, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore her sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. There's a prayer request. That's the prayer request. Jesus, come heal my sick brother. Did Jesus receive the request? Absolutely he did. He even acknowledged it. Jumping to verse 6. When he, speaking of Jesus, had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just come and heal? Why wouldn't he answer the prayer request? I'm asking very specifically here. Heal my brother Lazarus. He's sick. 
But God tarries by choice. Not because he had to, by choice. Okay. Jumping down to verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. He's dead. Can't heal him anymore. Because he's dead. He failed me. I asked for a healing, and he tarried. He didn't give me the healing. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother, because Jesus didn't answer the request. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus is very patiently trying to teach her something here. He's trying to bring her from where she's at now to somewhere else. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Well, good. Fantastic. Someone believes God. Jumping down to verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Why? Because they couldn't believe him for this. They couldn't believe him. They had faith that he could heal them, but not that he could raise them from the dead. Verse 34. And said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Again. You trust him so far. You trust Him with what He's done already, what I've already seen Him do. I know He's capable of that. I've seen Him do it. I've heard numerous accounts of Him doing that. But I can't trust Him for this. Verse 39 says, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he had been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said not I unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. I know these things seem impossible, church. I know these promises seem 
far-fetched. I know they seem like there's no way that God's going to do this for me. But He most assuredly will if you will continue to trust in Him. Why did Jesus weep? Because of their lack of faith, their lack of confidence in, in Him. We of all people ought not lack any confidence in our God. We know the end of the story. We know who Jesus is. He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We know who He is. We know what He's capable of. Everything. We, His people, His children, ought not doubt Him. Not in any area. If the answer tarries, our first response is, God's not going to do it. God's not going to do it for me. Why me? Why now? Why this? Why that? Why am I going through this? Why isn't sister so-and-so going through this too? Why is brother so-and-so getting blessed and I'm, I have to endure this? Do you trust God? Do you trust Him with your life? We say we do. But then we ask dumb questions like that. They don't seem dumb in the moment. But as I stand up here saying it, it sounds really ridiculous to me. How could I not trust God? God placed me in that situation, and He placed the other individual in that situation. I've got to believe that too. Let God bless someone else. That's fine. In every, in every way that matters, He's blessing me right here too. In the midst of this storm. In the midst of this trial. He's blessing me too. Because it's here, you know. <clears throat> I just don't think I grow very well on the mountaintop. I, I don't think I do. I appreciate the mountaintop. It's a good view. I I like the, the rest. I like the, I like the, the R and R. I like the, the freedom, the, the the relief that I feel. But not a lot happens up there. Where I truly learn when I when I'm reading scripture and things start popping out at me. It's typically because I'm in the midst of something. God is teaching me something. God is leading me somewhere. God is taking things out, putting things in. He's changing me as a person. I feel like in prayer yesterday, God was asking me, If uh, so, I feel like right now I'm I'm kind of in between trials, and I thank God for that. And this too shall pass. I know that. But uh, so, I feel like the Lord was asking me if it takes another hard trial to get you to where I want you to be. Are you willing to say yes to that? Are you willing to su- submit to that? 
And I'd like to say that I just shouted and said, absolutely. I thought about it, and I prayed about it for a long time. I tried to count the cost. I tried to weigh everything out. I've been through a trial or two, so have you. You know what that means. To voluntarily say yes to something like that. I was a little hesitant. I'm not going to tell you what I answered, God. Because I'm going to ask the same question of you during altar call. It's the only way, though, to get there. Can you trust God when there's no way out? We look at the story of Moses in the Red Sea. God led him there on purpose, right? They were following the perfect will of God and banked against the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army's coming. They panicked, they were afraid. Moses calls out to God. And uh, he, uh, he's very confident and very bold. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And if I can paraphrase it how I see it, he turns to God and says, Okay, God, what are we going to do here? How's this going to happen? And God's like, Why are you talking to me? Here's what you need to do. And he did it. Things worked out fine. God put him there on purpose so that he would be glorified and honored and so that his children would learn to trust and rely on him. That's why. He was teaching them something. Don't rely on your abilities. You have no, you have no ability to fight Pharaoh's armies. None. You would be destroyed. They'd lose probably close to no one. But with God, the Israelites walked across dry land in victory and the armies of Pharaoh were obliterated. That's our God. That's what happens when we rely in Him. Can we trust God no matter the outcome? Can we say with Job, though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him? When it seems like Everything is against us. When it seems like the arrows of the Almighty have pierced us. When it seems like His anger is waxed hot against us. Can we trust Him then? Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had an awesome answer to the king. Daniel 3.16 They answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Did you know that sometimes God's people are not delivered? Sometimes God's people die, are imprisoned, are tortured, are persecuted, suffer loss. We're not always protected from those things. 
but we always have victory through Jesus Christ. We are always victorious in Him. Praise God. If He takes everything away, I'm going to trust Him. If I have to suffer loss, persecution, imprisonment, death, I trust Him the whole way through. He's my God. He's my Deliverer. And I'm there on purpose. I'm there because of His purposes, His reasons. I don't need to know why. I don't need to understand. I just need to trust God. Can I trust God with my life? Amen. We need to learn to trust in the sovereignty of God. That His ways are always right. They're always good. They're always just and they're always best. Every single time. God will put us in situations and circumstances to teach us to rely on Him. We need to get our focus off of us and onto Him. Now the choice is always yours. God is asking. God is extending His hand. He's, he's inviting us to move forward. He's wanting us to move from this place to a much better place in Him. In Him. But the impetus is always on us to say yes or to say no. If these things are going to happen in this day and age, it won't be because of us. It will be because of God. Zechariah 4.6 said, He answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Galatians 3, Paul is exhorting them in verse 3 and 4, Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain. All of the things that we've endured, all of the things that that the Lord has led you through. We're meant to teach you something. We're meant to purge and to purify and to refine. If we use that instead to start doubting God and mistrusting Him and, and allow ourselves to get hurt and wounded, then those things are in vain. We have suffered them in vain. This was begun in the Spirit. We look at the book of Acts. We look at the apostles. We look at the... Uh, the new converts of the of the first century church, how did they act? What did they do? How did they respond to situations? They responded spiritually. They responded scripturally like Jesus did. Their lives were no longer their own. And they meant it. They lived like that. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ... The same yesterday and today and forever. The same God that was with Abraham and Sarah. The same God that was with Moses and the children of Israel. The same God that was with David is the same God that is with us today. He's the same God. If He did it for them, He'll do it for you. His character demands it. You can't doubt the promises of God unless you doubt His character.
Don't doubt God. Doubt your understanding. Doubt your interpretation. Doubt the situation. Doubt your feelings. But don't doubt God. Don't. Let's all stand. God is asking each of us for a decision today. Will we move forward with Him? Or will we decide to stay right where we're at? That's the question. That's the decision before us. If we could all come to the altar, please. I wish I could tell you that I knew exactly what was in store for us if, you, if we say yes. I wish I could tell you the, the, the great things that God is going to do, the blessings, the, the overwhelming moves of God that are going to take place just because you told God yes today. I don't know the specifics. I don't know exactly what God has in mind, what He is going to do. But I do know this. Whatever you have in mind is not enough Whatever you can imagine isn't big enough. I want us to start doubting our experiences. The experiences that tell us, I've tried this before and nothing has happened. I've, I've, I've done this a thousand times. I've done this a million times. And this is where I'm at today. And I get it. Again, I understand feeling that way. But that's not scriptural, folks. That's my experience. My experience doesn't matter when it's brought up against scripture. Okay? God is true. And every man is a liar. My heart is a liar. My experience is a liar. And the promises of God are yea and amen. We don't even have to look to Scripture to see what God is capable of every time we get a missionary. Every time you listen to a preaching video, they're talking about stories about what's going on over here, what's going on over there. God's doing things over there and over here. I want Him to do things here. I want Him to do things here. It's the same God. I don't care what we've experienced in the past. It's wrong. I don't care what we've believed in the past about the promises of God. If they don't line up with Scripture, then they're wrong. And if my ideas don't line up, I'm wrong. No one gets to supersede Scripture. If God promised it, then I have got to believe that that's exactly what's going to happen. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know from what direction or avenue God's going to bring this promise to pass. I know that it is. I know that it is. And I've got to keep hanging on. I've got to keep trusting. God might be tarrying for a reason. He might be teaching me something. He might be wanting to do something greater. 
Why did he tarry in Lazarus' situation? He'd already healed a bunch of people. A bunch of people. He'd, he'd healed multitudes by this point. One more healing wasn't going to do a whole lot. It wasn't going to teach them anything more. They were already at that point. He had to demonstrate to them that God had power over life and death. tarries and the answer tarries will we still believe God when everything seems arrayed against us will we still believe God the enemy is whispering in our ear and it makes sense will we still believe God before you, Lord, with our hearts open. Help us, Lord, I pray. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to open our hearts to give you free reign. We declare here that you are altogether sovereign. We have declared it. We believe it to be true. But now, Lord, we're asking that we can move forward in that statement we can walk the talk. That we can demonstrate to you through our choices and through our actions that we truly believe that. That you are Lord and that you are God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. You are wanting to do something wondrous and glorious in each person, in each family, in this church body. I can imagine, but it's not high enough. It's not big enough. I don't believe from what you're wanting to do. I believe with Paul that these light things, these light afflictions, which are but for a moment, worketh in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight in glory. 
If you ask anything of us, you are no man's debtor. You will reciprocate many times that which you ever ask of us. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. You have already demonstrated that you will give everything for us. of the Lord today. I pray, Lord, that you would put it in our hearts, each of us, to say yes to you this morning. Help us to say yes to you today, I pray. I want your people blessed. I want your people to be effectual in ministry. I want your people to be become Christ-like and to receive the very best from you. I remember where you brought me from and who I am today and I am so grateful and I am so thankful for the person that you've made me. The person I am today is all you. It's all because of you. But I don't want to stay here. I want to keep growing. I want to keep moving forward. I want to keep I want to become more Christ-like than I am now. I want to be closer to you. I want to become more like you. I want to be more effectual in service to you. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I have most certainly not arrived yet. I still have a long ways to go. Help me to keep moving forward. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. When you open doors of opportunity, help us to walk through with authority, with great power. Hallelujah, Jesus. Declaring the testimonies of God. I pray, Lord Jesus. circumstances that you are already in charge of. Help us, Lord Jesus, I pray, to rest confident in the knowledge that you are sovereign. Help us to rest confident in the fact that you have all things in the palm of your hand, that you are always in charge of every situation. It may not look like it, it may not seem like it in the moment. 
but you are always in charge. You are always in authority. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Bring us to the place, Lord, I pray, where we can ever trust in you, where our confidence is always in the Lord our God, not in ourselves, not in others, not in government, but in you, in you, the Lord our God, in whom we trust, in whom we hope, in whom our confidence lies. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let your name be magnified in our lives. Let your name be glorified in our lives. Let your name be glorified by every choice, every action, everything that we do, say and think. Hallelujah, Jesus.